Welcome along to episode three of Life Off The Stage with me, Richard Bovelsand. Had an amazing guest today, someone I've known for a long, long time, over 20 years in fact, from back in our days in Oxford. Hope you enjoy it. My guest today is a multi-continental teacher, reverend, my first open dance partner and a lover of all things fast. I'll explain that more later. She's one of the reasons that Ciroc in the West Country was able to get off the ground with her amazing attitude and work ethic in the early days of Ciroc Swindon back in the day. Today on Life Off The Stage is the amazing Sarah Patton. Welcome along, Sarah. Oh, thank you. That was I so know. nice. <laughs> it's quite weird, isn't it? It does feel a little bit like uh, this is your life or Desert Island Discs moment. And, yeah, it uh... does feel a bit like that. And <laughs> I mean, it's been ages since we've had a proper conversation because I've been overseas for so much. You have. Now, like every other guest that I've had on, I do internet stalk my guests. And, uh, and yet yeah, I realised it was an 11-year period that you were over in New Zealand for. That's a hell of a, t hell of a journey. I know. And in that time, I went from being single to married with kids and um, had a qualified Ciroc teacher. So uh, and obviously, quite, obviously quite you prefer in. being sorry, obviously you prefer being married with kids rather than being single. That's the, the right way round, of course. I have had both good lives. They are both good lives. I would never not being single because I love being single, but I also love being married. So uh, two different things. Oh, that sounds good. It does sound good. So, yes. So for those that don't know, I've known Sarah for a long, long time. It's, uh, she was my very first open dance partner back in Hammersmith Palais. But, um, but first of all, tell us a little bit more about yourself, where you grew up and all of that type of stuff, Sarah. So I grew up in the UK all over the place. Uh, I was born in Dorset. We lived in Cornwall. We moved to Yorkshire. And then I went to, uh, oh, no, Marmite mug, really? Marmite mug, yes. Want to be Vegemite, mate? Where I'm no, I'm, I'm a lover of Marmite. <laughs> so um, uh, then we, I, I spent time in Blackpool, heart of ballroom dancing, Oxford, London, uh, all over the UK, basically. What made um, you move around so much then? Well, we moved with my dad's job a couple of times, and then I moved to university, to two different universities, uh, London and uh, sorry, Liverpool and Oxford. Then I went to work in Blackpool, then I went to work in London, um, and then I went back to train in Oxford and then back to London. So, yeah, just I quite like moving. So what's been your favourite place to live then? Oh, it has to be New Zealand. New um, Zealand. OK, we'll get on to New Zealand in a minute then. So, uh, so New Zealand trumps the UK. There are good bits about both of them. Really Fair good. Fair enough. So what made you move over to New Zealand then? So I'd been um, what we call a curate uh, in a church in London and I was looking for a job and I saw a great job advertised, um, which I thought initially was Auckland as in Durham, Bishop Auckland up in Durham, but in very small letters along the bottom, it said Auckland, New Zealand, yeah. um, which I was a little bit surprised about, but it was such a great job, I decided to apply and somewhat to my surprise, they offered me the job. So... Um, having not planned to go work overseas it was almost an accident that I did. Blimey that is it's a fair old commute from the UK to New Zealand. <laughs> so yeah for those that don't know Sarah's um, I first met Sarah back in Oxford and uh, spent many an hour rehearsing in Oxford University um, practicing dancing um, I have a very strange memory actually of um, of uh, practicing the dirty dancing lift with you, Sarah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come clean right now. 
in regards that for those that don't know how to do the dirty dancing lift, um, the only way in which you can practice it um, is to initially is for the, the lead, the man, it normally would have to be a man for the dirty dancing lift, to lay on his back. And then what the lady has to do is kind of climb on top of the man and then the man has to kind of position his hands and then push up like this and kind of get the balance point. And, uh, and yeah, I was thinking to myself, so I'm in a, what's the official, in, I was going to say a church college or what is the... Yeah, uh, it was an Oxford college. So. Ox, yeah, Oxford college. And, um, and I was thinking, I'm laying on the floor in a religious type place and I'm pushing a potential vicar up and down like this. And it just... <laughs> It just all felt very wrong, if I'm honest with you. But um, but those oh, were the like, days. That's probably not the funniest thing that happened while I was at training at Theological College. Um, a friend of ours, Nick, who interestingly first took me to Sir Rock in Oxford, where I met you that first night. Yeah, yeah. Um, we entered a dirty dancing competition run by one of the local venues and won. And then I had this trophy, which I couldn't really put up in my room to say that I'd won a dirty dancing competition while training to be a vicar. So um, that went in a drawer. Oh, do you still have it? I don't think I do. Um, oh. All my trophies got nicked, actually. Oh, no. It was the weirdest thing. I was in the middle of a house move, and I had a lot of stuff packed in boxes. And I had two boxes of precious things that were separate. Um, and they mysteriously went missing during one of the moves. So oh. I know. It's a bit gutting, really. Oh, that is a shame. That is a shame. Because um, they're not worth anything to anybody else. No. Exactly. So, yeah, if I go back to my, my go-karting trophy that I have for when I, uh, I ruined my back that time, you know, I still hold that trophy with, you know, lots of pleasure and pride. It, it does sit at the back of my wardrobe, gaining <laughs> dust now. I haven't put it out on the side necessarily, but it's not worth anything to anybody else. But uh, there we go. So, so how long were you in New Zealand for? Remind me again. About 11 years. Um, right. uh, running a quite a large church out there with a huge community outreach so we'd have maybe a thousand people through the, the church in a week to all the different programs and bits and pieces it was a, it was an amazing time actually yeah really thoroughly enjoyed life out there and the image I have of New Zealand and this may be very um, uneducated is or the image that is given is that it's about 30 years behind the UK is that <laughs> a, a fair reflection of it in some ways, it's a little bit backwards, but then in other ways, it's really uh, forward. So they've used virtually no cash at all. Um, even the smallest shops there wouldn't really use cash. Everybody's on card machines. And so I had a shock when I came back and tried to buy fish and chips over here, and they were like, oh, no, cash only. And I'm like, right. who carries cash? <laughs> I haven't carried cash for years. Well, we're going that way now as well, aren't we? So Yeah, it's an interesting uh... mix, though. It took, it took a pandemic to push us towards it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, but yeah, everything's got to kind of go through the banks these days. So the banks are doing well because they get more money. But yeah. there we go. That is that is life. And um, so you were over there. You met your husband as well. I'm guessing. I certainly did. <laughs> we met at a singles ball, actually, which sounds really improbable. But um, they they had a singles night and they did a kind of speed dating. Uh, and both he and I are both really organised people. So when everybody else was milling around trying to find seats for the speed dating, we'd sat down already and we had about 10 minutes conversation before the speed okay. dating actually started. And was, <laughs> so it it was, the was it the scenario that you kind of had that moment to start with and then you had to still go around the room and chat to all these <laughs> other people, but all the time we're looking going, oh, is he getting, you know, is he connecting with that person or that person? 
Well, I didn't follow him around the room too much, but uh, but I knew that there'd been a really good connection. Uh, but the rest of the night, he disappeared. And I only found out afterwards, um, he'd seen me dancing with the DJ, who was a fellow Sorot teacher and right. somebody who I knew quite well at the time. Um, and he'd been a bit scared because he couldn't dance. And he was kind of like, he didn't really want to approach me again, having seen me dancing of the fear of being asked that you might get asked to dance. Well, you are quite scary to ask to dance, if I'm honest with you. So Thanks. That's all right. Even I get scared to ask to dance with you. Oh, no, no, no. I love dancing with everybody. Beginners. Um, just, yeah, I can get anybody you ask me. That's awesome. So can, and I do try and tone it down a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I don't scare people too much. So, so can he dance now? Hmm. He actually learned to dance salsa and he's got uh, two kids and for his daughter's 21st birthday, he learned to dance salsa so he could surprise her um, for the party. Okay. And I went along with him for some of the lessons uh, towards the end. Um, and then I sneaked him into Ciroc a bit, but he's, he's not keen, shall we say. He can do it. And I have a one dance a year allowance, which generally gets used up at weddings. Okay. So he's not a regular then. We can absolutely say that. Sadly, no. No. So you've been to New Zealand. You've been across the UK. So where would you say would be your favourite place to visit then? You must have had some lovely holidays and stuff. Oh, gosh, too many. That's such a tough question. Um, I've loved exploring New Zealand while we've been over there. We did a lot of road trips out to some of the really remote beaches and parts, and it is beautiful. And it's the kind of thing where a busy day on the beach in New Zealand, you might have 20 people there. Um, you know, there's just that kind of unspoiledness to it. Uh, but one of my favourite places growing up to visit was my cousin's house in the south of France. Um, I particularly enjoy being in France because I speak French. Uh, and she has this beautiful little house in a hamlet with a spring in the middle of the village where the locals go and get their water. And it's kind of got this Aww. rustic feel. And in my, in my head, it's always sunny there. I know that's not true, but that's no. kind of the impression from childhood holidays over there. Well, chances are you probably went over in the summer when it was likely to be sunny. So <laughs> each time you go there, it is always sunny. So that's... That's a fair enough. Sorry, it, it cut out at one point. Did I hear you say you speak French? I do, yes. I you lived do. for a year in France. Um, okay. So I did, yeah, I did some teaching in a school and, uh, and went to work at Disney, actually, for three months as well. Okay. Very nice. In a top secret, uh, in a top secret occupation at Disney. Well, it's, well, you have to reveal it now. I'm guessing that was a couple of years ago at least. So what was your top mm -hmm. secret Oh, well, you can't possibly say, but I, I was Nobody's listening to this, it's fine. In looking after characters, shall we say. Looking after, as in, were you a character? I can't possibly comment, Richard. <gasps> I probably signed some top secret document, but um, I, yeah, I had a summer job for three months at Disney. Are you saying that Minnie and Mickey Mouse are not real people? Of course they're real. Just, just double You see them walking them. around? Well, that's it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, well, the reason I was asking about the French part is that, for the, you know, most people will know I have the uh, the most un or very unusual surname, and uh, somebody asked me yesterday, "How do you pronounce it?" And I gave my my very English way of of pronouncing it. So, um, in a in a somebody that can speak French, then how would you say my surname? Then I would say Beauvoisin. 
Oh, well, that's all right. That's how I say it. And it means it's, good neighbour. It does so mean good neighbour. It means, well, I've always been told it means good or beautiful neighbour. I, I like the beautiful part. So yeah, yeah, you could go with handsome. That would be all right. Yeah, handsome. Yeah, that'll do. Either either of those. Got the hair spiking up today. I'm not quite sure why I've done that. but uh, You, you yeah. made an effort. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I have made an effort. Last time I spoke to Veronica, she was completely dolled up and I was just there in quite a casual um polo shirt so i thought i'll even put a shirt on um if it helps i don't have any trousers on but that's a different matter altogether <laughs> this is this is zoom after all so you only need to see from there downwards so uh <laughs> you look decent to me that's all that's all we need to say <laughs> <laughs> so so being a, a vicar being a mother being a wife what is the most daring thing that you've done then you know i was racking my brains because i am not like an adrenaline junkie at all um, I've done some pretty interesting things, like I once drove a steam train dressed as a gnome. Um, but okay, that's, that's, that's normal. Explain more. Uh, so I was helping out with the Santa special railway trips on the North Yorkshire Moors when we lived up in Yorkshire. And on the last, uh, the last run of the night, they let some of us onto the footplate to, uh, to, to drive the engine for a bit. Oh. So, but we were still in all our gnome outfits, which was quite entertaining. So people on the um, on the level crossing saw these gnomes kind of leaning out, driving a train, which wouldn't have been at all alarming for them. Um, but I love roller coasters, so okay. I'm a bit, I, I love the big rides. What's your favourite um, one then? Uh, so it? probably the tallest one I've been on was the big one in Blackpool, because yeah. uh, I lived in Blackpool for a year, so I went there quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but we've done we've done some of the Disney coasters and Alton Towers. I was going to say, you're up near Alton Towers, aren't you? So you must have been there. Over the years, we've done a few. I've done a few really good roller coasters, but I, I have never thrown myself out of a plane, done a little bit of scuba diving, but yeah, nothing nothing too, too exciting. Do you know, I found out a really interesting um, uh, fact the other day was, um, you know the game, you may or may not know the game, where you put a... Uh, a broomstick in the ground and then you tilt your head over and you pop your head on the broomstick and then you kind of go round it red. and then you try and kick a football in a goal and I you know I think it's a hilarious thing to do at a garden party that type of thing and um, I had my uh, my son and a, a friend's son round and the friend's son was nine and my, my son was 17 and I was challenging them to go round and they started off at three times and five times seven and my son got up to 17 times and then he could still kick the football quite comfortably I was like wow that's incredible and uh, I spoke to my friend who was round as well and he said the the trouble is is that as we get older we can't do that as much and I was like really so I went to do it after three times I actually fell off the broom <laughs> um, I, let alone stand up and kick a football. I couldn't actually go around more than three times. And yet there's my son going around 17 times, just walking straight forwards. The reason I'm saying that, on a roller coaster, it may be, do you remember the Wurlitzers from the uh, from cheap yeah. roller um, fun fairs? Um, as a kid, you can go around on those and it's absolutely fine. I look at those now and throw up. I know, it's like, it's something to do with your inner ear hardening, um, yeah. which means you can't take the dizziness. <laughs> so I can't do the round rides anymore, but the no. roller coasters are still good. Yeah, so, I, uh, I like the roller coasters. Roller coaster. I like the roller coasters, which are much more up and down type thing and quite quick. That, but yeah, the ones that just go round and round, the teacups, I look at those and think, oh, definitely can't do those <laughs> at all. Not in any way, shape or form. Excuse me. So last question I've got for you on that little bit is, is describe your perfect day. What would your perfect day entitle? Now, I'm aware when I ask this question, 
Okay, it's got to be quite a tricky one. If your husband listens to this or your children listen to this, they have to be included at some point. So ignoring the fact, you know, they have to be there. We accept that part. Yeah, so I would like a lie in. That would be okay. the first thing because 6.30 is a regular start in our household. Um, and then I would like a really leisurely morning when I get to watch what I want to on television and um, have a, you know, a nice coffee and maybe breakfast made for me. That would be. What would your really, breakfast be? Oh, something like, you know, smoked salmon on a bagel, that okay. you know, a bit of cream cheese or, or a bit of scrambled egg, you know, yeah. that would just be ideal. I hope your husband does listen to this. <laughs> when was the last time you had smoked salmon with cream cheese on a bagel? Oh, look, a long time ago. I made myself smoke salmon and scrambled egg on my birthday. <clears throat> my husband's actually got um, a chronic illness. And oh, so right. he so he has a lot of fatigue, which means very often we don't kind of see him until middle of the afternoon. So okay. uh, anybody making breakfast at this point would be an improvement. I'll just dig that hole. <laughs> no, 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 don't worry. Um, <clears throat> so... Um, so yeah and then and then i would love to go off and do some dancing you know just to, with with a room full of fabulous dancers and some great music um that would be a pretty awesome way to spend the afternoon and then in the evening i'd like like a whole load of my favorite people around for dinner that i did not have to cook um and it would be a beautiful day we'd be in the garden <clears throat> and if I could move this house like two hours towards the coast, uh, you know, maybe finishing up with a bit of a bodyboard in the surf, that would be just, just awesome. As the Kiwis say, oh, for awesome. <laughs> oh, for awesome. Sorry, yeah, starts with an O over there. Oh, okay. I'll, I'm trying awesome. to work that out now. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I suppose it is, yeah. It's, uh, I'm, I'm very famous for doing some incredible accents. I shan't, uh, I shan't try my Kiwi one though, because... It's, uh, it sounds very similar to the Australian one, and that's not great in the first place. So, uh, so yeah. Okay, you basically change all the E's to I's um, and the I's to U's. So you, instead of a peg, you get a pig. And instead of fish, you get a fush. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that then when we started with an F word. But uh, let's move on swiftly. <laughs> I thought that was going to... Yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Good. So... Just regarding dancing then, so you have a slightly different Siroc teacher background than everybody else. In fact, quite unique, I would have suggested. So tell us a bit more about how you ended up on the stage. So I started dancing at Oxford University, weirdly, um, when uh, I, I got down there. Um, well, no, actually, Liverpool University, if I'm honest. I, I, a friend of mine coaxed me into going to a ballroom dancing class. And I was a bit kind of like, really? Um, but we went and I loved it. <laughs> and so I stayed on. And then a, a year or so later, I went down to Oxford to do teacher training, although I didn't become a teacher, another story, um, and got straight onto their team because they, not because I was particularly good, but just because they'd lost a whole bunch of people. And they take it extremely seriously. So we were practicing three nights a week, competitions at the weekend. Um, and so I went from not being able to dance much to really quite competent in some of the Latin dances in particular. So I think Long I know story the answer. Short. Which was your favourite ballroom dance? Oh, it was the jive. Always the jive. I thought it might have been, just a wild <laughs> guess. <laughs> and then um, I finished uni, moved to London, and a friend of mine said to me, um, what, you, you'd love this dance thing. Uh, it's on a Friday, you can come down with me. And I'm like, well, what thing? He's like, it's a jive thing. 
And I said, well, can you explain it? And he said, no, I can't. And I said, well, if you can't explain it, I'm not going. <laughs> but I did. Um, and so we rocked up and it was Ciroc. Which venue was uh, that? Like, that was the Casbah. The Casbah, I thought it might have been. Yeah, uh, the classic London venue back in the day. And so, um, and I got there and I thought, oh, this is easy. This is like ballroom without the footwork. And in fact, I can make up my own footwork. So I started dancing there for a while. But the journey into teaching took a while because I, occasionally, if somebody hadn't turned up and I was around, um, somebody on stage might ask me up to demo out of the blue. And I, the first time it happened, I was like a rabbit in the headlights. I looked so startled. I was a bit kind of like, <laughs> a bit stiff and a bit kind of scared. But then by the time I got to Oxford, I'd been dancing Ciroc for quite a while. And um, uh, you were just about to start a venue and you said, um, oh, will you come and help start the venue? And I was kind of like, yeah, I'm up for that. And so I kind of really learned proper Ciroc, like how to teach Ciroc with you while I was demoing, because I heard you say all the words so many times. Mm. And in fact, some of your habits are still with me now. Oh, no. And Do they're I not good to... because I got told off for them at the Ciroc audition. Did you? Well, there's, there's no surprise there. So, so let, let's go down this rabbit hole. Um, so what <laughs> habits have, have I taught you that aren't good ones then? We'll decide so, whether they are good ones or not. Let's go for it. So apparently uh, saying and the move looks something like, like this, this is not something you, have to, you should say anymore because no. you have to say the move will look like this. Yeah. You have to be sure about it course um, uh, so there's some things like that and also there's some old carryovers from the former Ciroc style that are sometimes hard to hard to shift like um, I still very occasionally find myself doing a semi-circle with the arm to start mm. which we taught originally back in the day back in the day which is now all gone all it gone Do you know even now on the odd occasion if I've got a right to right hold I still kind of go like that and push away you know, and I do this every day of my life and I'm, you know, still to me, it's it's still ingrained there from 25 years ago. Oh, it's um, the muscle memory. It's very hard to share. Yeah, it's, so I often I say to people, it's really difficult to change habits, much more difficult to change a habit than create a new one. And uh, yeah, getting rid of that one, even for me, is quite tricky. <laughs> so I basically I demoed for you for a long time, ta mm -hmm. um, taxied occasionally. Uh, and then eventually moved to London, where I also demoed and taxied um, and used to teach some sort of uh, bits and pieces here and there uh, without being fully qualified. Back in the day, things were a little bit more, more kind of uh, a bit laid back. And then, of course, moving out to New Zealand, um, I, you know, like I, you and I talked about maybe getting qualified at some point, but because I was always moving, there just wasn't a good time for the franchise. It didn't really work for the franchise at the no. time. Um, moved to New Zealand, started dancing out there a bit, found a partner, and we were doing a little bit of competition work. Um, and then we, me and my partner were talking, and we approached one of the franchise owners over there about potentially training together. Uh, and they actually said yes, straight away. So um, things over there are very different. They don't audition you because they know you. <laughs> Is it a much smaller scene than I'm guessing? Yeah, and each of the each of if the franchise owner is also a teacher, then they can teach you to teach. Okay. And so I learned Kiwi style uh, lessons. And uh, how and different is that to the UK style then? Um, they're a little bit more funny on footwork. Actually, there was a lot more footwork um, in New Zealand than there than there is, although certainly I'd learned first time round. And the really tricky thing was like the names of the moves were not necessarily the same. Oh, okay. 
So they'd say, we're now going to do a, uh, and I'd be like, I have no clue what that is. <laughs> and then they'd do it and I'd be like, oh, that's something else. <laughs> so um, some of my, some of my Ciroc terminology is slightly unusual now as well. <clears throat> so you taught over there for, for how long? Oh, a few years. Um, I kind of everything got interrupted by the arrival of the baby and then we accidentally adopted a teenager three months after the baby arrived. Um, How do you accidentally adopt a teenager? <laughs> well, she came for a week's respite um, okay. and then she never left. Fair <laughs> and after about a year, I was kind of like, maybe we should have some paperwork about this. Yeah. Um, and so we, we sort of did the uh, formal... Um, we got guardianship at that point and day-to-day -day care. Uh, and so between the two things, because obviously she, she had some uh, personal needs as well, uh, new baby personal needs, full-on job. Um, yeah, I, I kind of dropped out of everything for quite a while. That's fair enough. Um, and then started gradually teaching back. And actually, I had a great teaching job towards the end. We, we used to teach once a month for a party night, oh. which is just about the best fun teaching job you can have. Yeah, it's, it's literally none of the hassles and all of the fun. Yeah. Just go and teach a fun class. And that suited me just fine until I got back to the UK um, and uh, we just moved on this huge international move. It was the end of the first week. We were in a rented house at the time. And I noticed that there was a Ciroc 10 minutes down the road. And I said to my mum, who was helping me, because uh, my husband hadn't even made it over from New Zealand at that point, um, I, I said to her, would it be all right if you stay in with the kids? Because I'd, I'd really like a night out just to, you know, let my hair down, forget yeah. some of the hassles. Some me time. Yes. So I, I rocked up to the venue and I thought, oh, it's probably polite to let them know I'm a teacher um, because I don't really know the protocol here. And you um, don't want to pay. <laughs> no, well, I, I did pay, actually. But, um, uh, but I sort of said to them, uh, you know, hi, I'm just moved from New Zealand. And they're like, oh, we'd like to talk to you afterwards. And I was like, oh, OK, then. So I uh, had a good night. Halfway through the evening, I went out to sort of talk to them. And they're like, um, how do you feel about teaching? We've got this venue in Lincoln we need a teacher for. And I was like, oh, I've just literally got here two minutes ago. But I can think about it. And so we started the process. And then we found out that I had to re-audition and retrain to teach English Ciroc. Uh, and start the whole thing again, which we were really surprised about because we yeah. thought, you know, it's the same sort of franchise. Uh, so I've had to kind of retrain. So um, so how did you find your audition then? Because that must have been quite strange already having had years worth of experience and then being auditioned again. It was weird, but it didn't stop me being nervous. I tell you, I think I was more nervous because I'm like, I'm a teacher. What if I fail? <laughs> it will be yeah. really embarrassing. Yeah, the fear of failure uh, on that one is strong. Yeah, and you kind of felt like I should be outperforming everybody because they're expecting me to, you know, be this teacher who's already qualified. Um, I guess it went all right because you obviously are a Ciroc teacher. Yes, yeah, it went fine. And I think the main thing was learning, relearning the UK style. Yeah. You know, they, they like everything a certain way so that it's instantly recognisable as Ciroc. And so I've had to unlearn some bad habits, possibly, and relearn some new ways of, uh, of talking we'll, about things. We'll call them different habits. They're not necessarily <coughs> yes. bad. Alternatives. <laughs> I, I always like to describe any dance form as an art form. 
and dance is an art. So there is no right or wrong way. There's the jive is no better or worse than a cha-cha-cha or a waltz. They are just different ways of doing something. So, so yeah, whether it is a semicircle or a straight push back, is one better than the other? It depends on what your opinion is in the first place. So it's no it's right or wrong. Interpretation. Answer. It is interpretation. Yeah, and you know, I, you know, the way in which I teach now is completely different than when I was on stage with you. Um, you know, and things develop and things move on. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't think it's ever going to be the same. And it shouldn't ever be the same as it was five, ten years ago. Things always need to develop. So, uh, so yeah, it might be that New Zealand is now different than when you left it. It's yeah, a possibility. It is oh, a they possibility. change things all the time. You know, the, like we, we love changing the beginner's moves, don't we? Every now and again, we, we kind of give them a bit of a dust off and we love changing little bits of footwork here or this bit for the way we do things. So... Um, but dance evolves, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, it's just about evolving along with it. Yeah, and that's the difficult part. You know, I think it's something like 150 Soroc teachers. So from an, an administration perspective, changing one bit of footwork, you know, and then getting that message to everybody and retraining everybody is quite a challenge. Um, obviously, in New Zealand, if it's a much smaller sort of entity and the franchisee kind of does it their way anyway, then it's not such a big thing. You can kind of move with the times and be easy. Whereas, you know, when you've got a juggernaut of Ciroc and all the different franchises and all the different areas, then, yeah, that's that's a much more challenging thing for uh, for the lovely Tim Sant to, to try and do. So uh, but that's his job. I'll, I'll let him have that job. It's it's, uh, it's not my job. Yeah, it definitely isn't. But um, So how would you describe yourself as a Ciroc teacher then? What sort of style? So, so I know for Paul Brooks, he said, you know, he was a classic Ciroc teacher. Everything's kept quite fun. Um, Veronica was quite quirky in her sort of ways. So what about yourself? Well, I'm pr probably pretty laid back. I think one thing I have got from New Zealand is a bit of the Kiwi, Kiwi kind of laid backness. Um, you know, we're, we're, there, we're there to make it easy for people. Um, and I, I, my, my main goal, especially for the beginners, is to get people dancing and to give them some confidence that they're going to get this. Um, so, you know, I, I won't worry about the detail for the beginners. It's just like, let's get everybody moving through the move, get some confidence that you can do this and you can leave dancing, um, you know, which is the, the real key thing, I think, to helping people want to come back. Um, but alternatively, with the intermediates, I'm probably a bit more of a stickler because I love the styling and I love it seeing moves finished well, and especially intermediates where they've got a really good grasp of how to do things. It's like, well, okay, how do we do things better now? Um, so I'm probably ultra laid back with beginners and a bit more kind of, okay, intermediates, let's, let's look at how we're moving things forward now. Okay, so it's, it's almost like the glasses come off and you're like, right, <laughs> yeah. now you lot. Or maybe the we're glasses go like on for intermediates, take them, off, take them off for beginners so you can't see anyone. You're there going, <laughs> yeah, that'll do. That's fine. And then intermediates, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, um, but overall, I'm kind of one of these people who just like way encouraging. Um, you know, you got this, guys. Let's let's do that. I can imagine you being a lovely teacher. I've never seen you teach, which is a real sad thing. Wow. But, uh, but yeah, you never know. Yeah, I'll that's to, true. I have to have you down. It's it's quite strange. I, you know, most people I have seen in one way or another. But um, obviously, you're fairly new to teaching in the UK, an experienced teacher overall. Um, but yeah, I've uh, yeah, I've never seen you teach. So. It's, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've seen you dance. I was just thinking back to the, um, 
you know, the fact that you mentioned that um, jive was your favorite ballroom style of dance and, and my favorite style of dance these days and has been for quite a long time is very much the slower end of things. Um, and just find it flabbergasting actually that we matched pretty well as a dance partnership because you're very kicky flicky and if I did that I'd fall over and, and keel in a, hump, a lump on the floor. Um, so yeah, it's quite amazing that we actually matched at all really. It's, it's uh, probably quite good for us because I mean I certainly um, I certainly was able to use some of the other ballroom dancers to help smooth out my style when I needed to. Um, and this, you know I don't get me wrong, I do enjoy a slow dance. But for me, a slow dance, it's almost easier because you have the time to express. Mm. You've got the space uh, to move and to glide and to ooze through the moment. Yeah. Um, but for me, the skill is in a fast dance. It's a lot, you know, because you don't have the thinking time um, and you have to react and you have to get the same amount of style packed in to a much shorter time frame. Um, that's, I think, I love the fast dance because it's a challenge. Uh, you know, it's a challenge to do it well. Um, yeah. And so, you know, yeah, a lot of my ballroom jive stuff comes through there and a little bit of Lindy Hop and goodness knows what else. Well, you're light on your feet. I'm certainly post-lockdown much heavier on my feet. It's, um, <laughs> I think we all are. <laughs> yeah, I think we all have been, that's for sure. Some, at some point it will come off. It's just not this point. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully when we I'm all get back you. to dancing properly we can all go out and uh, rather than sit in and watch tv actually go out and dance and all of that so hopefully that time is coming soon but um but yeah so one of the bits that people love to hear then is your most embarrassing moment on stage it, it wasn't in a stage it was a smaller Ciroc group we didn't have a stage in the venue so we sort of used to teach in the middle of the circle um, right. kind of more workshop style and I was dancing with a guy who was not my regular partner and who had a bit of a mouth on him. And all I can say is that he said one of the most inappropriate things inadvertently, which caused the entire class to melt down and, and myself. And in fact, we were all laughing so hard. And every time he opened his mouth to try and make it better, something worse came out. So he was on mic as well. Yes, because yep. uh, the, the way it works in New Zealand is generally you have two teachers for the class. So the, the bloke teaches the bloke side, yep. the, the woman teaches the woman's side, which has made me a little bit lazy on teaching some of the blokes moves, I, I must admit. So that's something I've had to step up. Yeah. Um, but we were just creased. I mean, the entire I mean, it wasn't a big class, but we just couldn't get it together. <laughs> and so it was pretty much the end of the class there and then like we did not finish. We just but That's I figured it. people had a good time um, inadvertently. <laughs> so. well, do, you, do you know what I've really loved? And, you know, for those that are listening, won't unfortunately be able to see this. But, you know, when we were doing kind of the first half of our, our little chat, it was quite, you know, you were very normal and everything was was lovely. Um, as soon as you've actually started speaking about dancing and Ciroc and you have literally come to life, your whole face is lit up and, and it's amazing to see. And that's kind of the feeling that you obviously give to your class in that you are putting across all of those feelings and everybody is leaving with that, that same feeling, which is, which is amazing. Whether they can dance or not, sometimes, as far as I'm concerned, isn't always that important, but as long as they're enjoying themselves, um, and it looks like they will do definitely in your classes, which is good. So 
every yeah. Tuesday night at Lincoln or wherever it is. I don't I don't even know what night Lincoln is, actually. It's a Wednesday. Wednesday we're kind of hoping we're still not back up and running. We're just no. still waiting for the because um, we have a lot of single folk. And so the so the, the you know, we we could try workshops, but it's not as easy for people. So we want to launch when everyone can come back. That's fair enough. So we're just waiting for the government now to say, yay, go ahead. Which hopefully will be in the not too distant future. Right, we're moving on to music. So I ask this, all my guests the same three questions each time. Which is their favourite song to dance to, li to listen to, and what's their most important track to them? So I've just got to do some jiggery-pokery and hope that this bit works properly. Um, so the first one is, what's your favourite song to dance to then? Well, as you know, I like fast music for the challenge. Yeah. Um, and so one of my, f uh, and I like a little bit of rock and roll, a bit of retro. Um, so one of my favorite tracks is Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy, um, because it is full on <laughs> and you need a lot of energy for it. So that's uh, the Andrew Sisters version, isn't it? Well, any version is fine, but well, uh, yep, the Andrew Sisters is great. We're, we're going for the Andrew Sisters. So uh, we'll just have a quick listen to it. a famous trumpet man from our Chicago way. He had a boogie style that no one else could play. He was a top man at his craft. But then his number came up and he was gone with the draft. Anyway, we'll go away from that for a second. We can't play too long because of copyright and all of that. But yes, that's Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy. It's all about the Boogie Woogie. <laughs> all about the Boogie Woogie. I was just having a look at it there. 170 beats per minute. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm not sure my uh, my old body's going <laughs> to cope with that anymore. <laughs> it was so funny. At the audition, they play you a slow rock track and a fast rock track. And they said to me afterwards, yeah, you kind of dance the same to both of them. <laughs> I was like, That's, your fast track wasn't fast. <laughs> no. And I, do you know what? Like... Probably the slow track wasn't slow either. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember doing a... Uh, at a competition at one point and they, they said this is your slow track and I knew the track and you know slow tracks for me are between kind of 90 and 100 beats per minute um, this one was still 115 beats per minute which I, is what I use for lesson speed um, and that's what they class as their slow track so um, so yeah that's one of those things anywho um, so your favorite song to listen to then yeah, so uh, this is a bit of classic Queen. If you're feeling down, the song Don't Stop Me Now is going to put a smile on your face regardless. Um, when I was in sixth form, <clears throat> we threw a comic relief event, which I was running. Um, and part of it was a, a group of guys got up and sang this with, with harmonies. Um, and it was amazing. Uh, it just like lifted the whole school. And ever since then, I've absolutely loved this song. Um, not something I would have particularly grown up listening to, but uh, once I discovered that song, it was kind of like, yeah, if you want to get ready for a good night out dancing, pop that on before you go and it'll give you a lift. Oh, let's have a quick listen. Lovely, the lovely Queen there, and don't stop me now. Although you thought it was called Mr. Fahrenheit, and it confused I did. me. I yeah. don't know why I thought it was called Mr. Fahrenheit. Um, well, they do just... say Mr. Fahrenheit in the song. Yeah, they do. Um, so I, I don't know where I got that from. No, no, it's um, it's a great track. As I said to you, I, I do have memories of that track um, when we, uh, myself and Zoe, used to compete, and uh, we ended up coming second to a cabaret that had that track. So every time I hear that track now, I get 
transported back to that moment. <laughs> oh, and, almost. Uh, yeah. Thanks for that. Cheers. Choose better music, Richard. That's what it's about. It wasn't about the dancing. It was about the music. Do you know what? <laughs> You're probably actually quite right. The song we chose was, uh, or we had two tracks that we chose, and uh, yeah, maybe they didn't connect as much as they could have. It's a life lesson in learning that skill. And your go. last track then. So this is the track that's had kind of the most impact on you, strongest memories, most important track to you. Yes. Yeah, so when I first moved to New Zealand, I was sort of a single person away from everybody. Um, I had some very distant relatives over there, but I never really met them. And I got there and somebody from the church gave me a card with a poem, as I thought, written in. And it basically said, welcome home. You know, we're out here on the edge of the world, but we've made a space for you. Uh, and it was a beautiful poem. And it wasn't until sometime afterwards that I heard it on the radio. And I thought, that's not a poem. That's a song. And it was by a Kiwi songwriter called Dave Dobbin, who um, we also used for our wedding dance, but a different track of his. Just an amazing singer-songwriter. So if you're interested in listening to some Kiwi music, really recommend it. And so it was the song Welcome Home, because whenever I go back to New Zealand, it's like, I know I have a second home there. I'm now a citizen of New Zealand as well. I became a Briwi, which is a kind of a British Kiwi. Oh. Um, some time ago and so I have dual nationality and it reminds me that there's there's a second home out there um, and these were kind of some of the first words I really heard welcoming Aww. me into New Zealand. Let's have a little listen. That sounds like a lovely track. It's awesome. You should go away and Google it and listen to the rest. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, when um, people talk about poetry, because I have the pleasure of writing some poetry myself on the odd occasion, um, but I also write quite a lot of um, songs and I write, um, you know, and in that you are effectively writing poetry. You know, if you look at John Lennon, Imagine, for instance, that's an amazing poem. Um, yeah. Yeah. Poetry and song lyrics, I'd say, are one and the same. So I don't think it's a wrong thing you thought it was a poem. It's just no, uh, um, words put it, to music. Yeah, it's just, I, you know, I just hadn't really thought about it as a song. Um, and I didn't know anything about Kiwi music when I got out there, but I, I've really come to love some of their, some of the artists and uh, went to the Vodafone Music Awards over there, which was just an amazing night. They had Lord and some of the other um, Kiwi bands, 660, and uh, some of the, uh, the more rap style artists who, you know, we, we have an expression, Wilt famous in New Zealand, <laughs> which kind of, <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know, the only New Zealand band I know of is Crowded House, um, you know, and I used to be a big fan of them. I actually remember going to see them in concert many, many moons ago when it was the original band lineup as well. And um, that's when both Neil and Tim Finn were both in the band at that point. And uh, I didn't pick up my guitar for two years afterwards because they were so perfect <laughs> that uh, I thought I can never do what they're doing. Um, I then went to see the Commitments musical um, a couple of years later and thought I can do anything they're doing because it wasn't quite the same standard. But uh, but yeah, the Crowded House are an amazing band. Um, yeah, uh, and it, probably them and Lord have had the most success, um, uh, you know, internationally. But um, we've, we've, we've some good people who just probably don't have the profile. It's it's not an easy place to get out of or get promotion from New Zealand, is it? I suggest, but I no. Mean, with uh, with the internet these days, I'd have thought it'd be easier, but not still not that easy to do a, 
a uh, European tour, for instance, because it takes a while to get here. But, um, but yeah, <laughs> we're on to our quick fire round. We're flying okay. through. I know. So, as always, I'm going to ask the same questions. I may change them in time, but, uh, but not today. You've got the same questions, okay? So I'm going to line them up here for you, okay? Right, so, favourite ice cream? Caramel. Fair enough. Are you clean or messy? Mm, bit messy. <laughs> bit messy. Fair enough. I, was, I know the answer to this one. Love or hate roller coasters? Love, love, love. So, excluding social media. So, no Twitter, Facebook, anything like that. What's the phone app you use the most? Games. You can't just say games. That's too broad. What uh, game? Mario Kart. Mario Kart. Mario Kart. Okay. Ah. Like a bit of Mario Kart. I did start playing it and then I just, it was, well, I often play my phone late at night and I found it Mario Kart Tour too exciting. <laughs> <laughs> didn't it's help not me the get most to sleep. thing before bedtime. Not really, no. But after that, I kind of, yeah, so I play more sedate games. But there we go. Uh, coffee or tea? Tea. Red tea. Bush. Any sugar? No. No sugar. Sweet enough and all of that. No sugar, I, no caffeine. No sugar. So did you say decaf tea then? Yes. Oh, wow. I, I don't need it. I just have enough energy for life. That's fair <laughs> enough. Uh, Favourite TV programme? Uh, currently Grey's Anatomy, doing a little bit of a retro catch-up on Disney. Okay, fair enough. And if you came back, this is such a weird question, if you came back in your next life as an animal, I shouldn't maybe speak to a next life with reverence, but never <laughs> run, um, which one would you be and why? Oh, cat. I love the lifestyle. Um, you know, sunshine, cuddles, crashing out, eating. I reckon that would be a pretty great lifestyle. That sounds like your favourite day again. It does, doesn't it? That's pretty much sums it up. I could um, just have a day as a cat. Have a day as a cat, having some smoked salmon on a bagel with some cream cheese on it as well. <laughs> anyway, nice. um, so yeah, last thing I've got to say is um, I mentioned at the very beginning that um, that you were kind of half of the reason that uh, Ciroc in this area still exists. Um, and yeah, I mean, I still remember the time back in Ciroc Swindon, we had about 30 people, this is at Gorse Hill Working Men's Club. And, uh, and yourself and all the guys we were bringing over from Oxford, um, you just worked the room beyond anything. Um, and you gave people such a lot of hope and um, encouragement that uh, it meant that the night survived, if I'm honest with you. Um, there's only so much that the teacher can do. And uh, yeah, yourself as a, as a person has definitely helped this whole region be what it is in dancing wise. So, uh, so a big thank you from, from myself and also from every other dancer. They don't know about that part of you. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but for me, I know how much of a part you played in the early days because uh, when a venue is on the you know, borderline of whether it will survive or not, you know, having those nights when, uh, when you've got extra people coming over and then you all work the room made a huge difference. So, uh, so a big thank you for that from me. So. Um, Quite all right. It's quite funny because in the early days, of course, the entire staff were training vicars pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> all the taxi dancers, the door, myself. Um, Absolutely. Take a car of training vicars to go and run Ciroc on, on, on an evening. It was yep. quite, but it was a good night out. It was a great night people, out. And the Swindonites were fantastic. Such great dancers as well. So we yeah. to have a really good time. Yeah. Very dodgy venue. You had to hold your nose to go in the toilet. <laughs> but, uh, but the actual dance know. hall. Yeah, the dance hall was just uh, was amazing. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, it is it is all good. Well, Sarah, thank you ever so much for your time today. Um, we will see you again very soon. It's been Life Off the Stage. Me, Richard Bovazan, and today's guest has been Sarah Patton. Thank you very much.